You never know where this show's going, but tonight we going bigfooting. That's what's going to happen. We, are. we don't even know where we're going to go with each episode, but we know it's not going to be to the same spot, right, Nathan? Because Bigfoot, no. he, you know, he, he moves around. You got it. You got to, man. Never, never go to the same spot twice. Uh, I'm, I'm the same way, and uh, and pick up what you take in, right? You know, you got to take it out. Yeah, but yeah, pack up your trash, damn it. Don't be leaving no bud bottles so Terry can go in there with his plastic bag. Anyway, I'm your host, DJ, along with the co-creator, the executive producer of this joint, the technical beast, Money Nathan. What's up, Money? Oh, man, not much, man. Happy Thursday. Uh, it's almost the end of the month. Where's the time going? I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, it is going really quick. It really I thought it was just February 1st. Uh, but somebody who ain't got time for the pain is a woman who just did an episode last night with an experiencer, and she is the host of Deb's Data Dojo, an original gangster of this show. Deb, what's up, Holmes? I'm excited to meet our guest and have a conversation that educates us all more about the Bigfoot phenomenon. He's as cool as the other side of the pillow. And let me tell you what, people, not everybody are doing it like this man's doing it. He's talking about, I'm not coming in your space with, you know, getting in your grill, trying to uh, ruffle up your stuff. This man is talking about respect between us. He is the creator of Rock Hill Bigfoot. Put your hands together for South Carolina's own. Terry Wendell! Woohoo! Oh, thank you. Terry Wendell! Yes! Good evening. Welcome, What's Terry. going on, brother? DJ, before we get started, brother, I got to say that was probably one of the most energetic introductions I have ever had. <laughs> thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, we do it a little bit differently around here, not better or worse, just differently. Uh, and uh, we love it. We want everybody to feel welcome, loved, and respected, and positive when they get here and when they leave. And that's the pretty much the mission of the show, you know. And uh, in this case, Terry, um, there. And by the way, so we have Jewel, the Jewel of Indiana is in the chat. Julie, how are you, darling? It's great to see you. <clears throat> I know you got to check out early because you got a meeting tonight. You got to talk to somebody, talk to our brother Simeon Hine and others. So. Thank you for hanging in, Jules. And uh, when you got to go, you got to go. And we'll talk to you soon. Um, so, Terry, for our audience, um, is not as Bigfoot-centric yet as I hope it will be. We hope to bring in all audiences because we want to talk about all these different topics. We're not a, a brand name in Bigfoot. We're, we, you know, we started off in UFOs, but um, our, our interests take us elsewhere. That's not just to like try to pick up uh, you know, viewers or listeners for the sake of it, but it's just because we're interested in other stuff. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what, what drives us. You know, again, we did a show about ancient structures on Sunday, and there was almost no UFO discussion on that episode, but more just an exploration of, of how maybe these things have happened. 
and you had some great commentary about, about uh, Gobekli Tepe. But anyway, I, I think our audience, you're just such a, a great um, uh, a great ambassador for Bigfoot because of respect between us. That's something that, uh, that resonates with me. And when I go out uh, in the forest uh, uh, on, on some expeditions, uh, that's what I take with me is what you said resonates with me. And when I was out there last weekend, I got in my bare feet, I stood on the ground, and I tried to put that out uh, to, to the Bigfoots that, that may have been tuning into me, that this is what I'm here for. I'm here to learn about you. I'm not here to get in your space and disturb you in any way, and, uh, and, and I welcome uh, uh, you saying hello kind of thing. Right. So yeah. we're, we're in their house, you know? Yes, sir. We're yes, in their sir. house. Let me turn you over to the capable hands of North Carolina's own... Money, Nathan. <laughs> Thanks, DJ. So, Terry, great to have you with us. Uh, one of my good friends from high school, actually, he's, he's from Rock Hill, from that area. And uh, I think some of his family is still there. So I, I'm familiar with it a little bit. And, uh, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful part of the state. What, what I'd love to know, just for the, our audience, DJ, as, as he mentioned just now, they're not as familiar with this topic. I'd love for you to kind of give a little introduction about how you got into Bigfoot and a little bit about your organization, Rock Hill Bigfoot. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, I, actually, let me share a photo with you here. Um, sure. I got into Bigfoot. I grew up on a, um, a, a generational family farm. That is about 2,000 acres, and everything within that dark green either was owned by my relatives or friends of my relatives. And right in the center, there's a little green patch there. That was my grandmother's house. Mm. That's where I spent a lot of my summers, um, you know, growing up as a, um, as a seven, eight, nine-year-old, ten-year-old boy who just loved playing in the woods. Um, on that property, there were um, three springs, a couple of lakes. It borders a major river in South Carolina. I'm not going to tell you where. Um, any kind of game you could imagine, deer, turkey, hogs, you know, anything. Um, lots to cover, lots of old growth trees. Uh, there was some pulpwood harvesting going on, um, you know, cultivated farmland. So basically that's got everything you need for a Bigfoot habitat. You got food, you got water, you got cover, um, you got ways to move around. And I would often go walking in the woods back when a nine or 10 year old boy could walk out in the woods by himself and just go wander. If I was over there uh, and my chores were done for the day, uh, I would just say, hey mom, I'm gonna um, pack a sandwich or do something and go down to the creek pick some watercress and if the blueberries are in, I'll pick some of those and just hang out. And it was always, okay, well just be back an hour before sunset. Cause if we have to come looking for you, you know, what's going to happen. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Get your switch. Out. So, yeah. So I would, I would always, when I was in the woods, I would always feel like I was, somebody was watching me. Um, it's not a, like a creepy thing, like I was afraid or something was going to happen, but it was just like if I turned around fast enough, I'd see somebody duck down behind a, a hill or behind a tree or something. And I never could figure out what it was. Um, had some things happen. I won't get into a lot of detail because there's a ton of them, but um, had some tree breaks that I really didn't understand what was going on there. 
you know, again, growing up on a farm, you, my cousins would play the same place as I would a lot of times. So maybe they were skinning up a, a pine tree and snapped it off trying to, you know, it was a thing called skin the cat that we did that you climb a little, little skinny pine tree and try to bend it back over and touch the ground with your feet. Most often it would break off and you'd end up falling on your head. Um, <laughs> so it could have been that, you know, I just, I, and at night I would hear strange noises. Um, my, my grandmother's farmhouse was, um, it was an old farmhouse. It was probably, well, that's actually half not there anymore, but it was over 150 years old. Um, and it was heated with pot-bellied stoves. It was a typical old farmhouse. It had a green tin roof, um, no screens on the windows. You had some curtains, everything, and there, no air conditioning, of course. Um, <laughs> so in the summertime, you opened the windows and prayed there was a breeze. But, um, you know, we, so I'd sleep upstairs at night in the upstairs bedroom with the windows open, and you know, I learned what bobcats sounded like. I learned what foxes sounded like. But I'd hear stuff every now and then that just was, I couldn't figure it out. Um, it was just weird. And then, uh, I guess when I was about 10 years old, there was this little movie that came out um, called Legend of Boggy Creek. I watched that and I knew exactly what I was dealing with. And it probably took me about 10 years, or, or sorry, about two years to go back in the woods after I saw that movie. Because um, my grandmother's farmhouse had a wraparound front porch, just like in that movie, and when the hand came through that window and grabbed the girl on the shoulder, oh, that was that was it for me. It was like, nope, I'm not I'm not sitting near a window at night again in that place. Uh, but as as you know, over those couple of years, it kind of just worked on me. You know, I, I like the woods. I, I really don't want to be scared out of the woods, even though I don't understand what this is. Because so far, nothing's hurt me. Uh, you know, and I'm not trying to push my luck or anything, because as a 10-year-old kid, you're, you know, you don't know what's going on. And we didn't have the internet back then. We had these things called books that you had to read. Wait and what's so I read, I read everything <laughs> that you could get, that I could get my hands on. There wasn't a whole lot out back then. Um, but I just soaked up everything I could, and that's kind of what got me to this point in life about... I guess about 2015 or 20, the end of 2014, I decided, you know, I've got the means now and I'm, I'm older. I really want to get out and do this and figure out what this is. I've, I've been reading about it. Um, I just want to know what's going on. I, I'm curious. Um, I need to find some people that are doing this that um, I can, you know, I'll see if I can go hang out with them and learn what's going on. Um, so I hooked up with a couple of guys in a group called, um, um, it was, oh gosh, I can't even remember. It was David Pardue and Dave Moser were their names. Uh, they're good guys. And they kind of took me under their wing. Uh, we, we met before we went out in the woods and kind of convinced each other we weren't ax murderers or anything like that. That's positive. Um, that's yeah. Positive. Yeah. That's, that's always a good thing. Yeah. Um, cause you know, we don't know each other. I don't know who they are. They don't know who I am. Um, but they were researching mostly up in the Uwari National Forest. So at this point, um, all I've ever seen is the Bigfoot shows on TV where they're out tromping through the woods in the middle of the night in the pitch black, 
and you know they've got the little snurry cams with the with the uh, with the infrared GoPros and stuff like that on, but they can't see where they're going. So that's what I figured we were going to do. Uh, so we went. We were actually at a campsite in one of the uh, Uari campgrounds, and um, we it kind of got dark, and I'm thinking, okay, well, let's you know. Uh, let me get my camera. I, I truly, I have no night vision stuff to this to this day. Um, I have one. I, I do video stuff as well. I have one little Sony uh, handy cam that's ancient that I've had forever that still works, and it's got night shot. That's the only thing I have that sees in the dark. Um, you know, all the other cameras I have, they're they're just cameras. So I had that and a couple other things, and I figured, okay, well, it's getting dark. We we probably we need to be like gearing up and doing stuff. And I asked uh, David Pardue, I said, well, so what's, when do we start? And he looked at me and he said, well, we already have. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? We're just sitting around the fire. He said, yep. And I said, okay. Uh, okay. So we sat there just, just chatting, um, had had our evening meal. It was dark. We were just kind of sitting around talking, um, you know, not playing any loud music, not not hooping and hollering, just sitting around talking about stuff. I got no idea what we're what's going on, so I'm thinking, okay, it's getting late and nothing's going on. It's getting on about eleven thirty or so. And, um, I looked over at David another time and said, "So, really, this is this is what we're doing, right?" And he said, "Yep." I'm thinking, oh man, well, I don't know about this. Uh, this is not like anything I expected, but okay, let's let's hang around a little longer. Um, I had worked that day and I was getting tired, and I was kind of a little nervous. I was wound up because it's like I'm 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 looking for Bigfoot. So you know, we're, although we're sitting in a campground at a campsite, so um, we got on till about they got on about one o'clock, and I said, guys. You know, I th- I'm I'm tired. I'm just gonna go crawl in my tent, and you guys call me if anything happens because I'm getting kind of disgusted. And you know, I didn't tell them that, but I, I'm, I'm thinking, well, this is a waste of an evening. And David looked over at me and he went, "Wait." I said, "What do you mean, wait?" He said, "Wait." Okay. About 15 minutes later, I nothing's going on, and I'm thinking this is nuts. So. I looked over at David and said, well, you know, guys, I, I, I'm whooped. I'm going to turn in. And David looked over at me again and said, wait. Fifteen minutes later, we're sitting there, and from out of the woods, we hear, we had a rock thrown in the camp. This is that rock. We have a video <laughs> of that rock being thrown into camp and we recovered that and they gave it to me for my souvenir. At that point we had stuff going on. We heard, heard something in the, in the brush. Um, now I'm going to tell you, we, um, where we were, yes, it was a campsite, but the area that this came from, nobody could have gotten there. We were there from daylight on. Um, nobody could have gotten there without us seeing them because the David and Dave 
had all the thermal gear you can think of that was available at that point. And there's no way anybody could have gotten in there unless they had belly crawled in. Somebody from Fort Bragg had belly crawled in two days before <laughs> and had been in a spider hole just waiting. Uh, and if somebody was going to do that, you know, then the heck, more power to them. But um, we were actually able to... Um, David had his thermal um, and... The rock was glowing hot. It had been, well, it was it had been held in something's hand. It was much warmer than the rest of the rocks around it. Got it. Uh, there's actually that video is actually up on my YouTube channel. There's not a lot on my YouTube channel, but it's that's one of those that's up there. Um, you can see it being thrown into camp, and you can see it clear as day. It hits the ground. Uh, David scans around and finds it because it's glowing white hot in the thermal. Walks Dave Moser in on it, and he picks it up, brings it over, and hands it to me, and that was my souvenir. And from that point on, I was hooked. I had to know what was going on. <laughs> that was it, and that so that um, and that took you. Was it? I, I thought it was one of the very early ones where you met up with the the yet to be named lady, who I assume you'll name. That was soon after. Soon after that, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, um, that. <sighs> That one really is, uh, that's a life-changing moment that, that you had. So, uh, Oh, brother, <laughs> there's you, more. Would, would you, are you guys okay if, if, if we get, let Terry go right into that one? Yeah. Absolutely. Go ahead, sir. You want, you want the poker? Yeah, man. I mean, okay. that is, yeah. Okay. Well, um, apparently um, you guys know of or hang with some people that I do. Um, Arla Williams is one of my other mentors. Um, I love Arla to death. She's my Bigfoot mama, and I have learned a ton about things from her. That's actually the uh, respect between us. That's actually a homage to her. Um, she, she says that a lot. Um, her saying is, um, and this is something that her grandmother told her, as long as there's respect between us, there'll be no problems. Um, we're in their house. We need to make sure that we are respectful of them in their house when we're out there. So um, I had been on several gatherings with Arla in different places uh, before, um, before this one, and this was in uh, North Georgia. It was at a campground as well, but this campground, it, was, it had a fire pit, and a vault toilet, and that was about it. You had to drive down a barely one-lane switchback road that went into um, the campground. Was in a what's known around here as a holler. Um, that's that's a term to describe uh, a valley in between a couple of ridges or mountains. And you drove into that. You had to drive across a creek to get to the parking area for this campground. And once you parked, then you had to pack in everything across a footbridge going over another creek to get to the campsites. So, yeah, it's a camping, it's a campground, but this thing's remote. So we're in there. Um, we had, uh, you know, we hung out, hadn't seen each other for a long time. There's a group of us that got together every once in a while. And so we were chatting and saying hi and talking about things. And got on towards um, the evening. Um, now, before this, let me preface. Uh, this is where DJ's story about the trash bag comes in. Normally, when I go camping, I will take a big garbage bag with me and clean up 
other stuff that people had left because um, sometimes people suck and leave their trash all over the place. And that ticks me off a little bit. So I just pack out whatever I can get a hold of and take it with me. And I had set my tent up. Um, actually, let me see if um, I can share this with you. Um, this is what I usually sleep in. It's a little small one-man tent. And not a lot of room in there. And um, so I had set my tent up. And usually what I'll do is... There's a term called bait that you'll hear a lot of Bigfoot people talk about. <laughs> That's the person who is like the the remote person who's off by themselves that if something's going to happen, it's going to happen to them first. <laughs> I'm good with that. So I always look for the remote areas, the furthest away from the center of the camp. Um, you know, I'll look around and go, well, if I was a Bigfoot, where would I find the most cover? And, you know, what would be a good spot for them to observe me? Because I... I want to have something happen. So I found the spot, uh, set my tent up. I was, I was picking up trash back behind there. Arla came back and was helping me. And we were walking around, and probably about uh, 25 yards behind my tent was this big fallen uh, old-growth tree. It was, it was rotten. It had fallen over, and this thing was huge. And it kind of made a natural barrier. And then beyond that, about 25 feet, is what I'm going to call the woods, where if you <laughs> step about three steps into the mountain laurels, you're gone. Nobody will see you or hear you if you stand there quietly. So we're picking up trash. We're walking around. Uh, we got done. It got time for our evening meal. We all went back around, sat around the campfire, and just hanging out talking. And I've gotten to know Arla pretty, pretty well, and I, I know um, there's Arla speak. And one of the terms that, that Arla uses is, I think I'm going to take a walk. I have come to learn what that means is, I think we may have company. <laughs> so we're sitting around the campfire, and I hear her say, I think I'm going to take a walk. I said, hmm, can I come with you? And she said, sure, come on. Now, it's dark. It is the kind of dark you only get in the Georgia woods. It is dark. Um, we got no flashlights, no headlamps, no nothing. Arla takes off walking like she's got built-in radar. I can't see where I'm going. I'm tripping over stuff and stumbling trying to keep up with her. You know, I'm not paying attention where we're headed. And uh, she's, I'm just trying to follow her and not break my leg on a root ball or something. Hey, so, hey Terry, can I just yeah. let these guys know this is the same experience Rick Taylor had. Where he said Arla Close. came, walked right to the blind, but she didn't have a flashlight, and she's just, you know, coming Close. through the forest. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, just she's. Like I, I, yeah, she. Yeah, I, that's that. I'm gonna tell you guys something. I don't know if you're familiar with what the term medicine in Native American means. It's not what it means in Western culture. Medicine in the Western culture is something a pill you take, a surgery you have, something. Medicine in the Native American world means something completely different. Arla's got medicine. That's the only thing, I don't know how, I don't know why, but I have seen stuff happen that is just like, how did you know I was here? How, <laughs> how, did, how did you know this was going to happen and that we needed to be here? I don't get it. Um, so anyway, we're walking back, and I realize she's headed right back behind my tent where we were picking up the trash. 
And I'm thinking, well, this is interesting. Uh, okay. So we get back to where that fallen tree is, and we stop. And she's standing there, and she says, oh, they're, they're coming. They're coming. Oh, they're here. There they are. Oh, my gosh, there's three of them. There's a big one. There's a young one. Oh, there's a little girl. Aren't you cute? Oh, aren't you cute? Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for being here. Now, I'm not seeing anything. I'm just standing there looking at the dark, and I'm not seeing what she's seeing. And so I'm thinking, well, I know this woman pretty well. I trust her. But I don't get what's going on here. I don't want to embarrass her or hurt her feelings. What do I do? And she's standing there just talking to him. And and just like you're talking to, like we're talking now. Um, so I kind of lean over to her and say, um, Arla, I, I, I can't see him like you can. I don't, I don't understand. And she leaned back over to me and said, well, you're not supposed to right now. And... That one I almost had to make the Scooby-Doo noise on. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, this is, okay, all right. So she's talking to him, and I said, um, can I talk to him? I, I can't see him, but can I talk to him? And she said, sure, introduce yourself. And I'm thinking, well, I may just be talking to the trees in the dark, but hey, let's try this. So I go, well, hi, guys, uh, my name's Terry. Um, I don't mean any harm to you or your family. I can't see you like my friend can right now, but just wanted to let you know, um, you know, I don't mean any harm. I'm just curious and trying to learn about you guys so I can maybe learn more about myself. So hope that's okay. Um, thanks for coming. So Arla starts talking to him again. And then she says, uh, and I, I can't tell you how long this went on. Cause my head was just like a, like a merry-go-round at this point. Um, but it was, I'm guessing it was probably about 20 minutes or so. Um, wow. and then she, she says, Oh, Oh, they're leaving. You guys are leaving. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Be careful. I can see you. Be careful. Thank you. And she looks over at me and says, okay, they're gone. And I'm thinking, Okay, I got no clue what just happened here, but um, I'm okay. Uh, I trust this woman. I don't know what's up, but I trust her. So we go back, and of course we go past my tent on the way back, and there's only a, like, I think everybody had left the fire at that point. Um, it was kind of late. So I just said, you know, Arla, I'm, I'm going to flop over in my tent. It's been a long drive. Um you know, I'll, I'll catch up with you in the morning if that's okay. And she said, sure, let's, we'll see you at breakfast. So I crawl in my tent and I'm, my head, my brain is just going like doing loop to loops. You know, I'm trying to make sense of what just happened. Uh, am I nuts? Is she nuts? You know, what the heck is going on? Normally when I'm, I'm out, like that, uh, I, I normally keep, I've got a little recorder, th this little recorder that I'll put up in the, um, in the cargo netting of my tent above the tent and just leave it on all night. Most of the time it picks up me snoring. Um, and that's all, but I do every now and then you get some really interesting stuff this night. I didn't turn it on. I don't know if I forgot or if that was something somebody did. I don't know but it's just something that I usually do, and I just didn't do it this night. 
So I'm laying there, and I sleep on my side, and I'm, I'm kind of back up towards the edge of the wall of the tent. Um, the door was facing the, uh, the fire pit, and the back side of the wall was facing the tree, where, the fallen tree where we'd come from. So I'm laying in there and just trying to make sense of what's going on. You know, am I crazy? What the heck is happening? From behind my tent, I hear, Fawump, 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 and it's getting closer. And I'm all of a sudden, I'm wide awake. You know, and they, you hear these people say, Oh, I don't know if I was dreaming or I, you know, it could have been a dream. No, I was as awake then as I am right now. And I hear something huge walk up behind my tent and stop right outside my tent. Now, at this point, I am about to freak out because I'm laying there and it's like, oh my gosh, there's a Bigfoot standing behind my tent. I, I, I got <laughs> no explanation. You know, I've heard squirrels jump around in the brush at night, I've heard rats rooting around and chipmunks. No, this was, if Andre the Giant had strapped cinder blocks on his feet and stomped around, that's close to what this sounded like. Whatever it was, was massive. And it's standing right out behind my tent. So I'm freaking out. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's, what's, what's he going to do? What am I going to do? This is crazy. Is he going to rip through my tent and eat my face off? What's, what's going on? I don't know what to do. Um, you know, what can I do? I don't know. And about that time, I hear from behind my tent, like a huge <laughs> sigh, almost like, what am I going to do with this guy? And so I'm, I'm just laying there like, oh, dear Lord, oh, dear Lord, he's right outside my tent. What am I going to do? And about that time, I feel through my tent wall a finger about this size poke me in the shoulder, right in my shoulder blade. Now you think my head was spinning before? Oh no, I'm at a whole, I'm at a whole another level here. Um, and no, this was not a dog's nose or a coyote. This was not a stick. It was a finger this big. I could feel the nail on the end of the finger. I'm laying inside my tent and I am freaking out. Oh my gosh, he's poking me in the shoulder. Um, what's he going to do? What am I going to do? What? And then it dawned on me. Well, Terry, there's nothing you can do. And frankly, he's not doing anything. He's just poking you in the shoulder. He could rip through this tent and carry you off like the uh, uh, Albert Ottsman thing. Albert Ottsman. <laughs> you know, but he's not doing it. He's, he's standing there poking you in the shoulder. This is so cool. Bigfoot's poking me in the shoulder behind my tent. Oh, this is so cool. So... I'm, all of a sudden, things changed, and you know your your brain runs through everything that it you could try and imagine it to be to protect you to keep you from going into shock, and that's what I was in before uh, when I was freaking out. And then once I calmed down and realized, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and he's not hurting me. Then all of a sudden, things changed. It was like this is so cool. This is absolutely the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. And at that point, it was. And about that point, I feel the finger go, whoop, back out. Now, this is a really freaky part. I heard him walk up. I never heard him leave. Nothing. Just gone. You could feel, you could feel the presence was gone. There was no noise. There was nothing. So I got no explanation for that. But 
I went to sleep. I was just, you know, I was absolutely just giddy um, laying there. I went to sleep, had a great night's sleep, got up the next morning, came tearing out of my tent. There were people sitting around the fire pit. So I come screaming out like a madman. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You guys are going to believe what happened to me last night. Oh my gosh. And they just looked at me and grinned and Arla, Arla was sitting there and Arla just looked at me and grinned. And it's like, you knew, didn't you? You knew. How did you know? So anyway, that was my tent poker story. Um, and that actually kind of made me realize, you know, I've been close enough. If they wanted to hurt me, they could. They've had every opportunity, but they haven't. Now, having said that, anybody can have a bad day, even Bigfoot. So I'm not suggesting that people just wander haphazardly through the woods. Um, but for me, at least, it's kind of a sense now of I'm, I'm, not, I'm not deathly afraid of, of something like I was before. Um, it's still creepy in the woods because it's dark and there's a lot of things in the woods besides Bigfoot that have claws and teeth and walk around on four legs that would think we taste real good with ketchup. So be careful. Don't just go wandering around like you're in Disneyland. Um, but again, for me, that was the point where I realized I don't think they're trying to hurt me. Um, I don't think they want to hurt me. I, I, as long as I'm respectful and don't do stupid things, don't threaten their family, don't get too close to the kids. Um, they really, they'll leave me alone. Um, they're curious. They're, oftentimes they're as curious about us as we are about them, the juveniles especially. Uh, that's kind of what I think was going on with the rock throwing. Um, we are their TV. I, I kind of tell people that. Yeah. Um, so that was that story. Um, and there's a lot more. But we're, at the point, at that point, that was the high point of my life. And we're, I, I can only imagine, and we're going to get into that. I want to let Debs have a chance at this. And I, I, and I will, I'll tell a quick ditty about a researcher who finally did have a face-to-face. And as you said, because of the scenario, it ended up being really scary. But l- let, me, let me turn this over to Debs, please. Yeah, so many questions. But one of them is you were talking about sounds that you've heard. Um, and have you heard the recording that another researcher put out as sounds and had analyzed? I want to know if it was the same sound or when you listened to it, you recognized it. You mean uh, when I was at my grandmother's or? or um, yeah, those sounds that you've heard in the woods. Um, there's a specific person who I think he was near one of the national parks mm-hmm. did a recording that got analyzed. I'm just wondering if you listened to it and said, yep, that's what I heard. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, the uh, database of all the, I can't remember the database name, but the one of all the known animal sounds that we've recorded so far, uh, it's a public database. We've got a friend, or I've got a friend um, that I hang out with. His name's Matt, not not the Finding Bigfoot Matt, but another Matt. Mm-hmm. He is uh, actually probably one of the best fiddle players in the state of North Carolina, but he loves doing audio analysis. He's great at it. And he has recorded sounds that we have heard uh, when we've been out together and you look at them, and they don't match any footprint of anything known. Um, and yes, uh, since I've had the opportunity to hear stuff that, you know, nobody has actually seen Bigfoot making these noises that I know of, but it fits with the experiences that people have had. 
So, um, yes, I would say that a, a lot of the things that I heard looking back were, were Bigfoot. Um, you know, a little, a little red fox, if you don't know what it is, can make a noise that will have you convinced there's an 800-pound monster about to come out of the woods and eat your face off. And it's a little red fox. Um, you know, I just recently learned that panthers, panthers, cougars can whistle. It's the craziest thing. It's actually a, a, a mew that they do. Um, but it sounds like a whistle. And if you ever hear it, be careful because it means they're very, very close to you. And it's a very, it's a very quiet sound. Goats at night will make a noise that sounds like people mumbling when they're in heat. They just, they make this noise that sounds like people that you can't understand mumbling. So I know what that stuff sounds like. Um, I know what bobcats sound like. I've heard screams at my grandmother's and also at other places uh, most recently in Walhalla, that there's no way it could be a human. First of all, they don't match the the profile, the spectral profile. But whatever this is has way more lung power and is has a way deeper um, resonant cavity in their chest than we could ever do. So yeah, I I know I know now what I was hearing. And and to tell real quick. Uh, uh, what Rick said about how things can turn real quickly. You guys remember I went to Ocala national forest. I went out with the, uh, the ladies down there and, uh, and also Tim T from green swamp. We all went out together and there was a researcher that started there and his wife, he was a real estate agent. His wife had a job where they could move out to that area around where Oregon meets Washington. So I, I don't know if I could remember the mountain range, uh, Terry, but one of those mountain ranges where there are just, you know, massive Bigfoot and lots of sightings. Mm-hmm. So he moved there and spent seven years researching and had some days where he just thought, man, I'm not seeing anything. I'm ready to quit doing this. And one day he went to wash out his fry pan at the creek. He saw tracks going away from the creek, uh, Bigfoot tracks. He followed them, and one was one of those sentries. Um uh, and, and basically the sentries will protect the main body where you have yep. the alpha male, you have the females, and you have the children, and these sort of sentries will, will form a perimeter. And if you get close to that perimeter, they will let you know that you're, you're close. They're going to push you back. In, yes, sir. And this is in broad daylight. One walked right out on the trail in front of him, and he literally turned around. He threw up his breakfast, and that was the moment when he said, you know what, I've had enough after about seven years and this man had been on i mean he kid you he goes through talking about kidding up his van and how many groups of people he took out and um how many expeditions he's been on and led and had gotten bored with it because nothing was happening well you know you bad you know bad bigfoot in the back the bigfoot let him go is the bottom line but scared the absolute daylights out of him right and that's that's absolutely again what i've come to learn is he, the Bigfoot, if that Bigfoot had wanted him, there was nothing that guy could have done. He'd have no. run him down and squashed him like a bug. Yeah. But he didn't. His job was to push the fellow back from the nursery or wherever. Um, that's where I think, it's my personal opinion, that's where I think a lot of the stories that you hear coming out of, you know, oh, we were fishing and Bigfoot ran me out of the woods and he threw stuff and they were screaming. Well, do you ever think that maybe where you were fishing was his grocery store and you were in the way and he had to go get food to take back to Miss Bigfoot and the kids. And if he went back empty handed, he was going to be in trouble with Mrs. Bigfoot. 
So he needs to get to where you are, get through your camp, and he's trying to get you out of his way so he can eat. Um, you know, it's things like that, that that people don't normally stop and think, you know, what was it that we were doing that instigated this behavior? I want to say thank you too much information. I thought it was Blue Mountains, but I didn't want to say the wrong name, but thank you very much. Uh, appreciate you being here. Um, so anyway, let me turn it over to Money Nathan, and then uh, Terry can go into his next experience, uh, maybe, the, maybe the portal one. But go, go oh, ahead, Oh, man. Nathan. Okay. Go, go ahead, Nathan. Yeah, I want to get you in there love, first. love to hear that. And, and Terry, I want to get your thoughts on uh, kind of where we are now in society. It seems, from my perspective, and maybe this is not accurate, but that uh, modern people typically aren't wanting to get out into the forest as much anymore. And do you kind of see that as a, as a good thing for Bigfoot that maybe they might be left alone or like, what, what are your thoughts on people wanting that the encounters and more people trying to find them? And you know, what, what's the right balance there in your opinion, since you've been doing this yourself? Yeah. Good, good question. Um, I think there, there needs to be a balance. I think they are often, as I said, I think they're often as curious about us as we are about them, especially the youngsters. Um, COVID, for better or worse, um, sent people to camping. They, they learned that you could disperse, you could go out and camp, you could be out in the woods. Um, you know, that was one of the things that you could do during all the lockdowns. And the Uwari National Forest got absolutely overrun with people. And this was just, this was not just people tent camping or in their little trailers or anything. This was like people coming out with their big, you know, big canopy tents and setting up the, you know, two and three campsites full of stuff. And the kids are out all running around playing soccer games in the roads and, um, and which is fine. I mean, you know, that's, that's absolutely great because people are out enjoying the woods, but in the Uwari in particular, that drove all the squatches back deeper into the woods, that much, that much activity going on. Um, so it's, it kind of dried up during all that. And again, I, you know, I'm glad that people are getting out, experiencing the outdoors and learning about things, uh, that are, you know, outside of their normal daily lives. You know, we, we tend to walk around again, like, like this with our, with our cell phones most of the day. Um, we don't pay attention, which is why we miss a lot of the Bigfoot stuff in the woods. Um, so that's a good thing. But yes, I think at some point, too much is enough. And you don't want to overburden the, the campsite areas. Uh, you know, there, there are limits to how many, how many campsites there are for a reason. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, there's a delicate balance. I'm not quite sure personally where that is. Um, that's why I always, when I'm out, I try and be respectful of the woods, um, of the water, of the land, and of other people, and whatever else is living in the woods. Because, uh, again, we're in their house, and, you know, if somebody came in my house and was misbehaving and trashed up my front yard, I'd be upset. And then if they came in my front door and sat down, or if they're, I don't know who you are, or there's kids, my kids, are, I don't have kids, but my kids playing in the backyard, and I look out in the out the backyard, and there's somebody hanging over the fence talking to my kids that I don't know. I'm gonna take some action. Um, I think that's the same thing we see a lot of times. You know, they they are they are family oriented. They travel in clans. Uh, at least that's my opinion. 
Um, they have family groups, and you know they have the sentries. Um, they have several different layers of protection, and their job is to push you back if you get too close. So uh, that's a, that's actually relating to a story I'll tell you later. Uh, that my latest thing that happened up in Walhalla. Uh, so, but anyway. Um, does that kind of answer your question? I know I no, ran a little it, bit. It, no, it totally does. And I think that um, what came to mind as well, just listening to you, how the importance of uh, being in nature, it's you know, having a conservationist mindset. You know, this is something that I think uh, in many ways we've kind of lost. Uh, we're, we're so used to sort of consuming and disposable things. And But it, when you're in nature, when you are camping, you have to think about what you have and, and, and you have to manage your resources and because you, you can't just walk next door to the grocery store and get what you right. need. So, you know, I, I'm a proponent of that. I think camping is, is good. It's good for the soul. It's also mm -hmm. good for, uh, you know, your character as a person. Um, and so, you know, from my vantage point, if we can get folks interested in being in nature more, that's a net positive. Uh, but I am also sensitive to the habitats, not just Bigfoot, but any other animal habitat that is there that, that we could infringe upon. We certainly don't want to do that either. Right. My, and again, my, my thought on that uh, is a, a tag along. You know, if you, you don't know, we don't respect the land anymore. We don't respect the water. And then when you get out in the woods, you realize, oh my gosh, this, this whole other world that I've been cut off from. I've cut myself off from it. This is what people are talking about when they talk about conservation and and being being good to the planet. And I'm you know I'm not a, a eco thumper or anything like that. But it just it's common sense. Um, you know even dogs don't poop where they sleep and eat. They're smart enough to do that. Yeah, and it it not even need to be characterized like you said. It's just it's common sense. They become sort of these political dog whistle words, but it's just common right. sense. Don't you know take care of stuff that 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 you have or it won't be there. It's like taking exactly. care of your car or your home or anything else. Um, what I was going to say, I want to answer Julie's question real quick because I, I get what you're saying, Jules. This gentleman was very intelligent, um, turned, and there's a long arc of his career in in this, and when he put a lot of time, effort, money, blood, sweat, and tears. His wife even came out with him many times. He took other people out. He would get upset when he took. A, f a female asked, hey, I want to go out expedition with you. And then she was all worried about getting made up in the woods. So it was a long arc of his thing where he never, he had some sightings and heard howls and heard footsteps and had been uh, paced out and all these sorts of things, but never had that daylight first person encounter. And when he did, it was so close and so personal, it scared the hell out of him. And And you can understand that. Um, you know, if you're, I don't remember how many feet away, but it was right in front of him basically. And, yeah. and it just scared the hell out of him. And, and he, uh, like I said, he fell to his knees, turned around, threw up, looked back. Bigfoot's kind of like, okay, are you done yet? Uh, there's your camp go. And then he walked back to where his pickup truck was. And, and I right. think that was kind of like the big, that was kind of like the end for him. I'm not saying he even, he has a passing interest now, but he's not out in the woods. Every People get addicted to this. I mean, this is something that people are in the woods every week. And, and an addiction can be, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But if you watch the John Green movie, you can see how it can be a bad thing. Absolutely. So, um, so. 
and you can't let your family life suffer because of that. Um, right. there, you know, you have a responsibility here in this world too. Um, my wife often, and I love my wife to death. Um, she puts up with a lot. Uh, we, she's actually my childhood sweetheart. We got separated from years and years ago, uh, reunited again about, uh, I guess 10 or 12 years ago and got married. And I sat her down, um, when I knew that we were, we were headed where we were headed and it's like, okay, I got to tell her what I do. Um, let's just see what happens. So we were out to dinner one night and I was sitting at the table and I said, sweetie, um, I, there's something I got to tell you. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to, don't know how to tell you this. And she's got, she got this look on her face like, Oh God, he's already married or he's an ax murderer or something. I could see it. And I said, um, I'm a Bigfoot researcher. I go out in the woods and look for Bigfoot. And I'm waiting for the, you know, for the other shoe to drop. Check, please. <laughs> yeah. And and we're, we're at a restaurant, so I'm thinking she can't make too much of a scene because we're in public. So I, I might be safe. And she's just dead silent for a minute. And I'm thinking, well, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. It's over. And all of a sudden, she just looks at me and goes, is that all? Is that all? I thought you were some kind of crazed murderer or some on the run from the law or something. Oh my gosh! So you know, I, I got to give her a lot of credit. Um, but yeah, to get back to your to get back to the point, um, you know, you you have even Arla will tell you, uh, and it's one of the things that she and I have talked about at length. Uh, this can become an obsession. I love going in the woods. It's just fun. Um, you know, I went last time I was in the woods with my wife, we were at a state park. We did nothing but sit around and there were squirrels all in the trees above us. We sat in our camp chairs. We made up stories about the squirrels. We gave them names. They had backstories. They had jobs. Um, you know, that was, that was how we entertained ourselves. It was just fun, but you can let it get into your, your skin and under your skin and she, my wife has asked me on several occasions, what are you going to do when you finally see one? Because I know that's what you want to do. And I said, honey, I don't know. You know, at that point, I, I, I know they're real, but at that point, they become real because I've seen them. Um, I don't know. I, I may back off from this. I may, I don't know. Nobody so, knows. Yeah, I, I can't answer that question because it hasn't happened yet. I've told um, these guys I have no idea what I'm going to do when when one of those moments happen where there's rocks or footsteps. I went out in the lot, woods last weekend. Just a couple howls, nothing happened. But if they had been really close, maybe I would have just freaked out. Who knows? I never. Yeah, know. it's but you don't know. Um, like I said, I, the the tree poking or the uh, the tent poking thing, I was absolutely freaking out, and then all of a sudden, it just dawned on me. Well, you dummy, he's not hurting you, so. Just go with this and see where it goes. Now, the question I, I've often asked myself about that incident is, what would have happened if I'd had the presence of mind to unzip the tent and stick my head out? What would I have seen? But I think the answer to that is, like not being able to see them, I wasn't ready. I, I don't think I could have handled it at that point. I think my brain would have gone into lockdown. Yeah. Um, that would have been too much. Yeah. But at this point, and again, I may, I, I always joke, I carry an extra pair of underwear just for, um, <laughs> just for those events, just in case. Um, but you know, I may freak out, um, cause it's going to be a big experience or I may just look at it like, Hey, they, 
thanks, man. Good to see you. Um, appreciate you being here. I, you know, thank you. I, I appreciate the experience. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to have to go past uh, an hour. If everybody here is okay with that in order to get some more Terry in our lives. Is everybody okay? Debs, you all right? Yep. Okay. I'm rambling. I'm sorry. So, no, no not a, at it, all. No, it's no, it's okay. Uh, it's good stuff. But get us into the next. Do you want to do go with the portal one? What What do you want to go? Sure. Into? Let's do that one. That's uh okay, That was it. Matter of fact, let me share something with you. Um, I I was talking with uh with DJ about this before. Um, there is an area. I I cannot disclose where it is because I'm under an NDA agreement. Um, but there is a group that I and a couple of my friends here have hung out with. They invited us in. We know them. We know most of the people in it from different places. Um, they have a research area that is basically Skinwalker Ranch of the East Coast. About the only thing that has not shown up there is the Loch Ness Monster, and there is a swampy area. So, so we're, we hold out hope that we're going to... Who knows? Um, there's aliens. There's psychic stuff. There's missing time. There's um, men in bl- women in black. Um, you know, that I had that happen the night of this portal incident that I'm getting ready to tell you about. Um, there is a book. I, I make no, no money from this book, um, but it's a, it's a very good read. And I'll, I'll share that with you real quick here. It's called The Meadow Project. It's on sale by, at Amazon. Um, it's a great read, and it talks about a lot of the stuff that's that's in that, that I've experienced. Um, it, I would encourage you to read it. I am the Terry in that book. The names have been changed to protect the guilty. Um, <laughs> but this stuff had had I been had I not had I been telling me about this. I wouldn't believe me either. So it doesn't hurt my feelings if anybody doesn't believe this. I, I'm fine with that. So here's the story. Um, there is a meadow in this area that has all kinds of high strangeness going on. Uh, this, this group has been researching this for a number of years. And uh, it started, they, it has a history of hauntings and ghosts and witches and that kind of thing, um, which I've come to discover that that is typically an indicator that the, the old folks in the mountains way back when, when these, these things started, saw things they had no framework to, to understand them with. So it was a witch. Something just appeared. It was a ghost. Um, you know, you had the crazy man that lived out in the woods, the old hairy hermit man that lived in the woods. Um, there's, there's some basis to all myths like that. So this place is loaded with them. So we are, we are there. Uh, my buddy and I that went down there, um, they invite, the folks invited us down basically because it was a Bigfoot area too. They, they didn't tell us about all this other stuff. We were the control. Uh, they kind of wanted to use us as a, you know, oh, <laughs> this stuff really is happening. We can have some other people independently verify it. So we go out to the meadow. Uh, we walk down this trail. And again, this is this is a kind of a camping area, but not really. Um, you walk down this trail that's probably, 
uh, 100, 150 yards from the campsite, the main campsite, into this meadow. You walk down it, you, you hook a right, and this meadow opens up. Um, my buddy David and I had gone down to, there, to this meadow in the daytime. Uh, one of the things I always try and do is if I'm in a new area, I'll go out and look around during the day and go, okay, that's a rock, that, that's, that's a tree, that's a bunch of bushes over here. I know what that is. So I know what belongs, and it makes it easier to pick out what doesn't belong. And we had done that that day in broad daylight. So now we're going out at night. It's dark. We're walking out. There was a group of there were three, uh, four teams. Um, I was in team two. Each team had four people in it, and then there was an Overwatch team. The, the fourth team was kind of an Overwatch team. And the strategy was everybody could see at least one other team. You had eyes on one other team because the meadow kind of bends around a little bit. And then you had the Overwatch team that was up on a forestry road that was Overwatch for everybody, that could see everybody. So we all, we've all got radios. Uh, these folks monitor comms like military precision. They have somebody sitting back at base camp that monitors comms. You don't move unless you go on the radio and say, this is Team 2, we're going to move. Just want to let you know. Um, this is all very precisely done, so there's no mistaking anything for anything else. So... Um, I'll cut through a lot of the, the details, but we ended up, we, we were the last team to enter. We were supposed to go to a different location, but we heard some noise behind us. Turned out to be nothing, but we had called in and just said, hey, we're, 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 we're here now already. Can we just hold in place? Um, is that okay? Because we can see the team that we're supposed to have eyes on. And the radio came back and said, yes, no problem. Let us know what happens. So we're sitting there, and it's dark. And again, I have no thermal, no nothing. I got, I got eyeball mark one. Um, so I'm kind of the control for this group. Everybody else has night vision. Uh, one, of the, one of the ladies that was with us has, um, she's got the best tech I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. Um, she always has the fun stuff. She had, I don't know what generation night vision, but hers was like you could see a flea on a rock. Um, <laughs> so my buddy David has his out and... It, at that point, his is a little older, and he didn't either. He didn't have a card in it or something. It didn't record, but we're all sitting with our backs to each other, kind of facing the four cardinal points. And I hear David to one side of me say, "What is that square thing out there?" And it didn't really dawn on me what he was saying. Um, I, I just was sitting there, you know, kind of like. Well, this is, it's dark. What's going on? And I hear him say again, what is that square thing out there? And it dawned on me, there is no square thing out there. We, we came down here and reconned this meadow in the broad daylight. There is nothing square out there. So I leaned over to him and said, what you got? He said, I don't know. Take a look. So I leaned over through his thermal. I could see a cube, a square. Uh, it was, it was, it was large, and it was getting bigger. Um, it had, according to him, had basically appeared out of nowhere. Um, it's kind of hard to judge at this point. It's kind of hard to judge size, but we could tell. And of course, thermal, you you don't get the depth perception with the old stuff. So we knew that there were a couple of trees beside of it that we had stood next to. So we could kind of figure. 
this is big and it's getting bigger. And it was opening up. It was misty around the edges. Now the kicker is I couldn't see it with my naked eye. And about this time, um, the lady, Kristen, who was with us, um, she had the, you know, the, the, the new tech stuff. So she said, tell me where you're pointing. And she was able to zoom in on it as well. So now we got, you know, we got two thermal imagers looking at this and it's the same in both of them and we're calling it in and it's like, what the heck is going on here? And lo and behold, we found out a little later, um, they had had this happen before and they, the reason that they invited us down is they, as I said, they wanted us to independently document it. We had not been predisposed about anything. We thought we were going to look for Bigfoot. Um, up until this point, if you had talked to me about portals, I would have just looked at you and gone, oh, aren't you sweet? Portals. Yeah, no. Okay. And now I'm sitting here looking at one. Um, the only, and it's, I, I don't know if this is a portal, but that's the only word that fits. Um, now, we hear the Overwatch team say, okay, walk us into it. And it's like, what? Oh, wow. So we started giving them, they came down and we're, we're talking amongst themselves. Okay, which way? You know, okay, turn to your left. No, your other left. Um, <laughs> okay, walk forward. Continue to walk forward. Stop. You should be within about 25 or 30 yards of it. So, you know, there, and this took a little while to ha make happen. Um, so they got to the point where either they walked into it or the glow from the portal obscured their heat signatures. But they went off the scope. You couldn't see them anymore. You could not see them on thermal. Ooh. So My either goodness. the background image from whatever this was was so bright and so hot that it obscured their images or they went into it. Let me get um, let me get Nathan and Debs in here real quick because just this part right here is freaking me out. Go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, this, this reminds me of, um, didn't, Deb, you might remember this, but in David Polita's uh, recent movie, the, he mentions a cube yeah. in, incident. Yes, Hunt, yes. hunting. Mm -hmm. And yes, it was the guy, it was the one man by himself. Right. And it he's seems... seeing it right out in the middle of a field during right, daytime. Like a, but it was sort of clear or you know, a, he could see yeah. through it, but he knew there was a cube in front of it. Yes. Yeah. It's actually um, one of the many object shapes that people identify. Um, there's a lot more than people realize when they come into the topic of UFOs, including domino shapes. Hmm. It's just Not the pizza, really right? I'm sorry no, to say right. that. Sorry, pizza's always on my mind. I'm sorry. So yeah, this was this was this definitely uh, twisted my head around. This one took me a couple of days to figure out how to tell my wife because mm. uh, I figured you know I got to tell her because I can't keep this a secret, but because she's going to know I'm, I'm weirded out about something, but she's going to put me out in the backyard or some guys are going to show up with a jacket that buckles backwards and cart me off somewhere. No, and, and, and the thermal that, that you guys had, the uh, it was you said it was hot? It was glowing hot in the thermal? 
it, it was on on the uh, my buddy David's was was kind of a monochromatic thermal. The mm. the one that uh, that this other woman had was color, mm. and she actually got a recording of it. Um, I don't know where that recording went, and I don't want to know. Mm. Um, and that gets into the story that the rest of the story when we got back to camp. Mm. Um, but that was um, that was a pretty brain spinning experience. So. Um, the guys I, that were I on the Overwatch real, team, go ahead. I I'm got sorry. one real quick, Terry, about, so they walk into the cube and you can't see them. Are you, you have radio comms. Are you telling them back up? Are you telling them walk forward? We just, we just, somebody they, told them, um, we can't see you anymore. Now, again, okay. I don't know if they actually went into it okay. or if, if they were obscured by the image from it. Um, I can't verify that. I don't know, but, but I will tell you this, um, David and I both noticed as we were packing out to go on this walk, the guys on the Overwatch team were carrying, we all had like day packs cause we all carry, I, I don't go into Bigfoot's woods without a few things. Right. Um, you know, we all had some water, we had a little bit of snacks. Um, you know, you had a rain poncho and a few things. These guys were carrying huge packs. I mean, huge. And they were carrying edged weapons. Um, they were planning obviously to go into this thing and they didn't know if they were going to get back. Um, so at least that's my take on it. Now, um, this portal opened and closed a couple of times and moved before they could actually get to it. Um, when people started getting close to it, it would close down and open up a little bit different, a little bit different location. Uh, so again, I don't know if they went into it or if they were just their heat signatures were masked because it was overwhelming them. Um, we did. I don't know that we lost radio com with them. I'm not sure because at that point, you know, I'm I'm sitting there just my jaw is on the ground. And um, somebody turned up back at camp for you. <laughs> we got a call after all this was over. Um, it, it had wound down, and the thing had whatever it was had gone away. All of a sudden, we get a call from base camp saying, there's someone here. We don't know who she is. She's just shown up. She's adamant that she needs to speak with the team leader. She's absolutely adamant that she needs to speak with you guys. Um, what do we tell her? So the, um, the group leader said, okay, um, tell her to sit tight. Keep an eye on her. We don't know who she is or what's going on. Do you recognize her? He said, "No, she showed up out of nowhere. This is weird." Um, so he said, "Okay, we're on the way back in. We're gonna we're gonna pack up, head back in. Look for us to be there in probably, you know, twenty minutes." Um, now, my job going back in, the lady w that had the recording, uh, we all lined up single file going down this trail. My job was to walk back in. I was behind her. I had my hand on her shoulder the entire time. I was not to take my hand off of her shoulder. Um, you know, if, if anything happened, I'm, it, she's not going to get snatched by herself. There's going to be two of us. Nothing happened. It was uneventful. But that's kind of how serious this got. So we got back into camp. Snatched by we're all who? Just, pardon Snatch. me? Snatched by what or who? I, what or who Can or where? I don't know. We've all heard the, you know, the missing, David Politis missing stories. We don't know. Got it. Um, but it was, it was like, you know, if something swoops in and grabs her, you, you do what you can go with her, prevent it, scream, do whatever you need to do, get our attention. But she's got the recording. She needs to get out of here. Got it. So we get back to base camp. 
And, you know, we're all kind of like, you know, what the heck just happened? Um, the other, most of the, the other team knew this was, or suspected this was going to happen. So the team leader um, goes over to the comms person and says, okay, who who's wants to speak to us? He said, I don't know where this woman came from. She drove up in a beat-up Mustang. Her 15-year-old son was driving the Mustang. She appears intoxicated, and she's demanding to speak to you because she has information for you. Now, number one, I don't know who knew we were there anyway, and number two, how did they know what we were doing? She walks over. Um, we're all sitting kind of around, you know, the, the team leader goes over and talks to her and we're all kind of just like standing back observing, um, a couple of our guys who are, were, were ex-military and I don't know nothing and I don't need to know, kind of strangely <laughs> disappeared into the, the darkness for a little while. Um, so I suspect they were watching. Um, so I'm sitting there and the team leader's talking to this woman and she says, you got to come with me right now. There's Bigfoot. There's Bigfoot, and, and you, you need to go see them. Uh, you've got to go see them. You've got to come with me, your whole team, right now. Um, okay. And he's talking to her, and he says, okay, well, where, where are these Bigfoot? Well, they're in this place away from here, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a spot, and there's only one road that goes into it, but, but you follow me. Come with me right now, and I'll take you there because they're there if you want to see them. And so all of a sudden, the hairs on the back of your neck start standing up. It's like, wait a minute. We don't know you from Adam. Hell no. You don't know us that we know of. You show up in this camp demanding that we go to a place that we've never been that's got, by your admission, has got one road in, one road out. And we're supposed to do that? Oh, I don't think so. Um, so he's trying to talk to her and get more information. And this is documented in, in the Meta Project book. Mm -hmm. um, it turns out she knew where what college this guy had gone to the person the team leader she claimed to know his professors she um, and he started talking to her and quizzing her and lo and behold she knew she she was there um, at the same time she, somehow she had knowledge of everything every class that he had taken oh yeah I know where that building was yeah I went to here and there yeah you were yeah I, yeah I remember that professor I was there she knew. I have no clue how, um, and she just seemed off. Um, she was not wearing a black suit. Mm -hmm. um, how, and in fact, she was wearing a dress um, because she then proceeded to take a couple of steps away from the campfire, squat down, and urinate in front of everybody. Wow, um, no big deal, you know. Just, just, and that's one of the things you hear about men in black is that they somehow don't fit into our social norms. They, they don't have a comprehension of it, I guess is a good word. Um, so he keeps talking to her, and eventually, you know, she we convince her to leave. There's, we're not going, and no, you can't make us. Um, but she's just adamant. You know, she's still adamant. you you got to go right now. All of you, you got to go right now. You, they're there. They're waiting on you. you got to go right now. Um, she was a proxy. She sounds like... They were, whoever was what was watching you guys the whole time saw the yep. whole thing. Then they sent her down to camp when you guys are on your way back, and they just yep. they must have told her what to say. Yep. If she's you know clearly not wearing forest clothing and no, she was she was wearing a dress, yeah. just like you know like you'd go out to eat or something. And um, 
you know, the fact that her 15-year-old son drove the car, um, I don't have a clue. That's just too weird. But there was there was definitely something off. Yeah. Um, now, the team leader followed up. He, he actually got in contact with this woman later on. He got some contact information out of her while she was there. And the guy is a great researcher. Um, he, and this is the author of the book as well. He tracked her down and contacted her and quizzed her about this, and she claimed to have absolutely no knowledge of what he was talking about. Interesting. I, no, I was never there. I don't remember that. What are you talking about? Who are you? Why are you stalking me? What are you talking about? Did she hand um, out a business card when she was there? How did he find her? I, I don't know. I, I think he just he's very good at uh, researching things, I'll say. Um, he Sorry. somehow got out of place. got some information out of her about well how can I get in touch with you or something and I you know I, I don't know because they were kind of talking away from everybody else and we were all just kind of looking around like do we run do we you know what do we do um, at that point so she ended up leaving and you know we all crawled in our in our tents vehicles whatever and went to sleep um, that night I had a, the craziest dream and my, my buddy and I actually slept in our, in the vehicle we were in, in our front seats. I had the doors locked. I had the car keys laying on my dash. Um, I, I had a couple other things out that I had prayed that I didn't need to use and I didn't, but just <laughs> in case something happened and we had to bug out of there, you know, we, we broke our tents down and we were ready to go. All I had to do was Turn the turn the keys and go. Um, so I'm sleeping in the front seat, laid back, and he's on the other side, laid back, and we're just kind of wrapped up because it's chilly. And I had this dream. Um, during the night, a group of Bigfoot came and stood around my vehicle, and all faced out, and I could not see out the windows. And I don't know what happened, but they were just standing there, preventing me from seeing out. That's the I've never had a dream like that before, and that was the weirdest thing. Can't explain it. This sounds like one of Deb's dreams uh, about being in the cave. Deb, uh, what do you got for Mr. Wendell? I, I have to say, though, those are not dreams, DJ. I'm, I'm kind of jealous because I haven't had it's any... Meditations. meditations yeah, I haven't had any dreams <laughs> about UFOs or, or any of it, and I'm jealous. So I was... My question is actually about um, the protection aspect of Bigfoot, because when I first did a little bit of research on Bigfoot, um, you know, you hear these stories about, you, you know, Bigfoot's protecting the woods and, you know, trying to keep people out. Is it a bigger goal of theirs to protect the environment? Or do you think it really is just about protecting their families? I think it's a little of both. Uh, again, Native American culture will tell you, you know, they're the boss of the woods. Um, they are the guardians of the mountain, uh, you know, they're the caretakers. Um, so I, I think there's probably some truth in that, uh, even if for no other reason, again, this is their home and they don't appreciate people trashing up their home. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. For, I, 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 so far I have not had the opportunity to sit down with Mr. Bigfoot and talk to him about it. Um, I do think that there are some clans that are more tolerant of human presence than others. Um, truly, 
really and truly, I don't think they care about us one way or the other as far as they don't need us. I, I, they, I won't say they don't care about us because there's stories about them helping hikers that are hurt or that kind of thing. Children. They don't need us. Um, you know, they could go back into their woods and live whether we're here or whether, you know, we're not. Um, I think a lot of the encounters are either accidents that we happen to walk up on one of them um, or that um, they, they're curious about us and they'll come in closer. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're trying to keep us out of the woods, but if you get too close, they will definitely push you back. And, um, you know, again, I, I, I can't really answer that definitively. Uh, the feeling I get is, you know, really, really or truly, they don't need us. They just kind of tolerate us and as long as we're, we're nice and don't trash up their house and respect them. They'll be okay with us being there. For the most part, yeah. That's For the most what part. it seems like, yeah. Um, what I'd like to do, we have 15 minutes left. Um, what I'd like to do, Terry, is get in another experience of yours and another round of questions in that 15 minutes, please. I'll make it quick. Um, yes, sir. I was at a Bigfoot conference in Westminster, South Carolina, one of my favorites, small town. Um, they had raised, I've, I've spoken there before, and um, they had raised enough money this time to put all of us, all the speakers up in a house, very nice house, up in the uh, little small town of Walhalla, South Carolina. Walhalla, everybody in Walhalla knows everybody else in Walhalla. It's an old, 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 old town. It's a beautiful town, but it's very small. And it is in the woods and in the mountains. Um, this house had a trail that went down winding into the woods away from the house that led from the fire pit at the house down into the woods. So we all get there. There were four or five of us speakers and a couple other people came and joined us. And we're all sitting around on the deck and around the fire pit. And it gets to be, I don't know, about you know close to midnight. We're winding down. And I look over and there's this trail. And I said, hey, I'm going to take a walk. Anybody want to go? <laughs> I knew it. I want to, there's a trail in the woods. We're Bigfoot explorer. <laughs> what are we supposed to do? And so I just, I got no flashlight again, no headlamp, no flare, no nothing. Um, I'm like, I'm going walking in the woods. Anybody want to go? And so I step down off the platform and go walking into this trail. And I hear from behind me, um, this gentleman I know, uh, Michael Cook. He's, I've known him for a long time. He's a good guy. He's a Bigfoot researcher as well. He's been to Australia. He's worked on some of the Bigfoot shows. I hear his voice go, well, Terry is clearly crazy, but I'm going with him. So, <laughs> That's what I'm I was like, oh, great. Okay, so two crazy people. We're walking in the woods. So we go down this trail. The trail runs, uh, the house is at the eastern end of the trail. It runs from east to west. We don't know where this trail goes, and it's dark. The moon is coming up, but it's dark. So we're walking down this trail. You can see light blacks, dark blacks, and some grays, and there's some moonlight starting to filter in um, through what leaves are on the trees. We get to this point. Uh, we can't see the house anymore, but you can still sort of see the glow from the fire if you turn around. But we're looking down this trail, and we can see the trail dips down uh, probably about you know, 40, 30 yards in front of us. And you can see, you can't see what's in the dip, but you can see the shadowing where the trail rises again. And we're kind of stopped just walking along. We hear this, these dogs go off at the western end of the trail, and they're just going berserk. Um, and 
Michael and I both stop and we look at each other. It's like, okay, we we both been to, we both been here before, so we hear the dogs going, and the, the dogs go you know just keep going off. They get worse and worse and worse. Um, in between the dogs, we hear the loudest scream. It, it, again, whatever this is, has got way more lungs than we do. It's not a dog. It's not a coyote. Um, and we both look at each other and, and we're like, dude, dude, we know what that is. That's a big, that's, I've heard that. That's a Bigfoot. We're standing in this trail in the middle of the dark, giggling like little girls. Cause it's like, oh, this is so cool. This is cool. Okay. So we start hearing more noise coming toward us. Dogs, other packs of dogs are going off. And then behind us, we hear dogs going off back beyond the house up in the West. And we hear noise going on back up there. And it's like, okay, they're out prowling. This is their nightly routine. I've, I've seen this happen before. So we're standing there and, and my buddy Mike says, Terry, look down there in that dip. Tell me what you see. I looked and I said, um, that's a shape. Looks like a head and shoulders. <laughs> he said, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, so all the, you know, the dogs are going back and forth and he says, um, the, the two trees over on the left side, uh, they're about you know, 25 yards in front of us. Uh, do you see anything there? And I said, there's a shape there too. I can't make it out, but it looks like there's there's a dark patch that I don't know what it is. I Was that there before? He said, no, I, I don't believe so. <laughs> so it's like, cool, we got one here watching us. So again, the the whole procedure goes into reverse. We hear this this huge scream from the east end again, and it's like, okay, that's Big Daddy calling the kids home. There were nothing else going to happen again tonight. Let's go home. So we go back. We go back and tell the Bigfoot people or the the festival people about this, and thinking, yeah, right, they're going to believe us. And they turns out there had been reports of sightings in that area. And they wanted us to go in unbiased and see what happened because they knew one of us would go down that trail. Wow. So it's like, okay, we're this Saturday night. Oh, buddy, I'm going again. Uh, and, and Michael's like, I'm with you. Let's go. So we're at this house again. We're supposed to leave Sunday morning. We still have not walked this trail in the daylight. So we take off. Same thing happens about the same time. Um, just the same exact pattern. Dogs going off in the in the west. It comes up to the east. We see the the shape down in the drop of the trail, and we're standing there. And Michael says, "Terry, look over at the trees." I said, "There's eyes. There's two glowing red eyes." He said, "Yep." I said, "Okay. I'm gonna get closer. You game?" He said, "Yep. Let's go." So we slowly walk up. We get probably about five or six steps ahead, and all of a sudden, if you've ever, this is weird, but as a kid, if you ever take a 9-volt battery and touch it to the tip of your tongue, and you get that little jingle, you know, electric jolt, it doesn't hurt, but it's just like a buzz. I get that in the center of my chest. I've never had this happen before, and it radiates out through my entire body to my fingers and toes. Wow. And I'm standing there, and I, I just stop, and I say, Mike, I got something weird going on here. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, in for sound. 
I got I got something. It, it wasn't being zapped. It wasn't like that. It was a it's just a tingle. It wasn't like I was scared and I needed to run. I didn't feel you know threatened. This was something different. And I hear him say beside me. I didn't tell him what was going on. I just said, this is weird. And I hear him beside me say, electricity? And it's like, oh, you got it too? He said, yep. I said, okay, let's back up. Just just back up. Don't turn around. Just back up. We backed up five steps like a switch. Gone. Both of us. I said, you got anything? He said, nope. I said, me neither. I said, okay, let's do an experiment. You stay here. I'm going to walk back up. Before I left, and the eyes are still there, we're watching them. How Before far I started moving, I said, okay, guys, um, we know you're there. Um, we think we got too close, but we just want to make sure we understand what you were telling us. So my buddy's going to stay here. I'm going to walk forward those five paces again. I'm not going to come any closer. I, I mean you no harm. I mean no harm to anybody. I'm going to stop right there. I give you my word. If you were trying to tell us we were too close, do what you just did again to me. So I walked up five paces. Bam. I'm getting it all over again. I said, Michael, you got anything? He said, nope. I said, okay. Guys, we get it. We're going to back up. Matter of fact, we're going to head back to the house. Thank you so much. Uh, we mean no harm. Thank you so much. And we appreciate this. And that was the end of it. Uh, we walked back to the house. We told the rest of the group about it the next morning. Um, you know, and they decided, well, maybe maybe Crazy Terry and Crazy Michael had the right idea. Um, you, that has I'm, never happened to me before in my life. I called Arla on my way home and said, I got to talk to you. I, I got I to tell you something. I told her what happened, and she started laughing. She said, you were too close, and they didn't know who you were. And when you talked to them, they understood that you didn't mean any harm, and they realized who you were. You did the right thing. She said, I've had people on my property They'll get to a certain point. They'll just start laughing for no apparent reason. Just cannot stop laughing. They take five or six steps back. Whatever it is is gone. She said that's just stuff they do. This um, the, t- Terry, this is this is fascinating. This opens up a, a, a line of questioning that you know this intersection of things about this uh, what people say just a flesh and blood animal that, that we don't understand. So let's I don't remember did I go to you last Debs or Nathan who's up? I think it's uh, Nathan's turn. Okay. Yeah, let's uh well I think let's go there DJ since that that's what you're kind of hinting at. So um, there's a lot of different theories about what they are, biological, something other than just biological entities. Uh, and I don't think any of us on this panel, you know, have the definitive, you know, truth or whatever to, to that. But Terry, in your experience, and then from those that you've talked to, you know, what's your sort of leading theory as to what these are? I originally thought they were just an undiscovered ape, um, in North American ape. I, through my experience, um, I kind of tend to lean towards Arla's thought that these are a people. They're like us, but they're not like us. Um, they are flesh and blood, yes, because they leave signs, they leave footprints, they leave supposedly scat that we can follow. But they can do stuff that we don't understand. Um, how do you make your eyes glow and not be able to not see at night? I don't understand that. How can the guy behind my tent just disappear? I don't know. Now, is it magic? Well, magic is a word that we use to describe something much like the people I was talking about uh, with what started the the myths about the wild man in the woods and the witch, we don't have a framework to understand what they can do. So to us, that's magic. 
Um, you know, if I went back just a couple hundred years with a big cigarette lighter and flicked my bick, I'd get burned at the stake because I was a warlock. I could make fire from my fingertips. They didn't have the framework to understand that. So I don't know. There's more to them than we understand. And I don't know that we have the framework right now to understand what they can do. Can they cloak? I don't know. Um, can they, can they do mind speak? I've never had one do that to me, but I've only lived in this one head all of my life. So I don't know. I can't say definitively yes or no. This, this is interesting because you're, you're so good at answering questions that you actually answered like three questions in one. The other two that I had, uh, because I, I've talked about this, I've asked other guests, this is about the physics of it. Um, because for, for that, creature to be able to walk up to your tent, Terry, and then be able to walk away silently, that defies the laws of physics. Yeah. He, ex he expressed and demonstrated the laws of physics walking to your tent, but then somehow egressed without that. And, and the general consensus of that group that I was with said, well, he wanted you to hear him. He wanted to make sure that you knew he was coming. Got it. So got it. I, I got nothing on that one. Because that litter, you know, I was out in the woods last weekend. With that litter, you just can't walk silently. No. You know, that forest litter. You just, yeah. it's just, so I don't know how something that's like, that could be upwards of 800 or 1,000 or more pounds could do something like that. I, I got nothing. I absolutely okay. got nothing. And again, had I not been there and was telling me about this, I wouldn't believe me either. Because yeah, it just defies everything that we know. <laughs> or that we think we know. I did. We think we know. Go ahead, Debs. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a lot of questions, but I guess I would like to emphasize a point that you made earlier that you had this huge farm for these um, beings to live on. And people are under this misconception that there's no way that we are not seeing these beings regularly if they're there but they don't understand how many places there are that they could be hiding. So I was just wondering if you have like um, the number of acres that we aren't really inhabiting or an idea of how many places that they could hide that you could talk about. Like, well, it, it, It's surprising ballpark. through my, what I've learned, how little cover they actually need. You know, there's, there's reports of them, um, new subdivisions are built in what would be wooded areas as, as we spread out on the planet. And, you know, they're, they just, they, they're reports of them walking through subdivisions to get to trash cans. Um, and nobody sees them until you're at the trash can or you see the footprints walking back in the muddy road. You know, they, they truly, and, and we, again, we do not pay attention as, as human beings. We do not pay attention to things. So, Again, like, I, like I've told you, I, I've been on the Pinhody Trail before where you take a couple of steps back into the, to the foliage, and if I stood there quietly and didn't move and didn't make any noise, you'd walk right by me and never know I was there. Their knowledge of movement is, is such a, uh, a force multiplier because they know that they can get into a position in the brush, even with jet black fur like, like Hera here. Say, say hi, Hera. There she is, my, my little black panther. Um, and they, if they just don't move, you won't see them. And I'm, right. you know, there may be, there may be everybody that, that is on this screen right now 
all four of us that have walked through the woods and walked by one and been observed and just didn't know it. You clearly th- felt that as a kid. I'm kind of thinking back to, ironically, the, the area that I grew up was called Blue Mountain Reservation in the Hudson Valley of New York. It's where I we owned a, a little horse ranch, and I was constantly in the woods hiking or, or riding my horse. And there were times when the horses didn't want to go down a certain trail. I don't know. And they would they would refuse to go. <laughs> So I don't know if that's indicative of something, you know, I don't know. There were times you felt like you were being watched, but I never saw a thing. So I don't know, you know. Yeah, I and truly at my grandmother's, I never saw anything. Um, But there was always this presence in the woods. So, you know, I can't I can't really answer that. Um, Now, as far as how many acres they inhabit, I basically they go where they want to go. It it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't know how they do it. But if they have a need to go somewhere, they go. Uh, yeah, did you? I don't know if you heard, Terry, the, uh, one of the New Jersey researchers talked about the Pine Barrens as one of the biggest state-owned uh, uh, pieces of property in the entire nation is 70,000 acres or something. It's And that's huge. Some crazy. I mean, if, if anybody looks up the Pine Barrens in New Jersey uh, and there are researchers that go there regularly, I'm sure you've heard them. Terry, oh, yeah. uh, it's it is it is massive. So you just think about that alone. Um, yeah, I, I know we're getting short on time, but I, I have yes, I have a friend that tells me, oh no, we've we've re- researched, we've the satellites have seen all the land, we've been everywhere. You know, we, dude, have you ever been to Alaska? I haven't been. Do you know that that in Canada, fifty percent of the population of Canada live within a a small band right next to the Canadian U.S. border. There are places still in this world that we have not set foot, um, and the satellites cannot see through the trees. So right. there is still plenty of places that are unexplored on this planet. And if we had set foot there, that doesn't mean the Bigfoot's not also there. So exactly. That doesn't, that, that doesn't tell you anything. He may have been ha- on vacation that day. Who knows? Abs- absolutely. He was watching you. There um, you go. But, you know, there was that kid. Uh, uh, there's a... I think it's on Amazon Prime, a young, maybe young 30-something who uh, does a solo traverse of Canada and it with a partly canoe and then portaging his own stuff. And I was very, very scared for this guy being alone because of what we know. Um, he didn't mention encountering anything, not that he necessarily would have if he did. But uh, I, I was just thinking about that. I was thinking about him, yeah. uh, his tent and Bigfoot and everything. Um now, I do carry a Garmin inReach with me now that I've gotten a little older um, when I'm out in the woods yes. just in case I get stupid and break my leg or something. My wife can at least know where to start looking for me. Yeah, I'm going to actually I'm going to do the, I've got the new uh, Apple Ultra that has a feature like that. But I'm going to get one like yours because that battery is going to, you know, it's going to stay and, you know, it's not going to draw down. Yeah. Um I want to just ask you, the eyes, Terry, uh, what are you thinking in terms of the eyes? You mean as far as how they do it? The emanation of... I don't know. I've seen, and I don't, I typically try not to call it eye shine, because it's, it's, eye shine to me is like when you shine a light on a deer, and it reflects off the retina, you're providing that light. This is eye glue, they're self-illuminating. Um, in that, in that meadow area that I was at, uh, we had an experience where I, I had something called flashlight eye shine. I didn't know what it was. 
I woke up in the middle of the night. We were up on a ridge, um, and I was in my tent, and there was nobody around except our six people. And it looked like somebody was walking around with a flashlight um, or a headlamp outside my tent. It swept across my tent. Um, and, you know, I, as a Boy Scout, I, when I woke up in the middle of the woods, you learn, be still, be quiet when you wake up and see if you can tell what woke you up. So I'm laying there and I thought, well, it's just somebody out answering the call of nature. Um, so I went back to sleep. Next morning, um, we got up and got back to base camp. No one was out of their tents or hammocks. Um, one of the guys that was with us did say we were up on a ridge that you could see a hundred miles. He did say before I went to sleep, I saw three red lights that were kind of floating in the air way off in the distance. I don't know if they're connected. Um, I did have, uh, got gifted a stick through, uh, I'll show you a picture real quick and I know we're getting, we're getting tight on time, but take a look at this picture and notice the stick that goes through the hip belt. It's yes. interlaced. This was laying outside my tent on that night when the eye shine happened, or eye glow happened. There were no sticks around. There were no trees around. There was nothing. Wow. Um, that was in my tent, or I'm sorry, in my backpack when I woke up. And the day before, I had the most arduous climb I've ever had in my life going up this hill or this mountain, basically. Um, I didn't know if I was going to make it, and I was struggling. And I'm wondering at this point, did somebody see me struggling and decided I needed a walking stick? I, I don't know. That is, that's. But that, sticks don't that, fall like that. No, it, it seems like there's a beautiful relationship between you and these creatures that I, I think is, is uh, you know, should be evident at, at this point. Uh, and what you had happened, man, where you, you walked close and said, hey, send me that, you know, signal if, if, if we're too close. By the way, how many, what's the distance on the eyeballs uh, from you and the, and, and the eye glow at that point? Um, it was... It wasn't like it was illuminating anything. Um, the no, eyes were just glowing. You? How far? Uh, away? So it was real localized. Uh, you know, again, it wasn't like a headlamp where it's spread out. They're they're yeah. very well defined, and we're probably at that point. I was probably twenty five, thirty feet. Still pr um, pretty close. Pretty close. pretty close. Got it. That makes sense. Uh, anything final? You know. Anything final from Mr. Wendell before Gabby goodbyes? Uh, uh, what? Sorry, go ahead, Deb, please. Yeah, just real quick, I was going to say, could you just recommend a really good book for people who are interested in this and want to get into it for the first time? Thank you, Deb. Um, into Bigfooting or into camping or... Bigfooting. Gosh, there, there are so many, um, you know, anything by Grover Krantz or any of the Four Horsemen, um, stuff like that. I think... Um, Oh, Jeff Meldrum has a book out. Uh, mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically a Bigfoot guide. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of interesting things in there. I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but if you do a Google search on it, um, Jeff Meldrum, Bigfoot book, you'll find it. I've, I've got a copy of that, and that's probably my favorite to date. Wow. Um, but there's just there's a ton of stuff out there. Um, just learn. Soak it up. <laughs> Money. Awesome. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to just kick off the, uh, the thank yous and the goodbyes because, uh, Terry, just listening to you, your stories and the way that you, your passion for uh, not only Bigfoot, but but nature, I mean, it's rekindled a, an interest in me to get out there more and get some camping done and just and just be out in the woods. Uh, and I think that that's something that uh, it's a lost art, right, for, for a lot of folks in our world today. It's just to kind of be present in nature and let it impact us. And uh, clearly it's made a big impact on you. And, and I appreciate you sharing that love with us. Oh, glad to do it. Debs. I have to agree. I feel like um, we forget to connect to the earth. And I'm glad that you're out there connecting, saying hello for us. <laughs> Some of us are on asphalt and concrete all day long. And um, please, if you see Bigfoot, say hello for me. I will and do it. And definitely need you to come back because we're going to need to know how to get some of that medicine. And <laughs> when I figure it out, I'll let you know. Okay. Thank you so much for coming and educating us about this. Well, it's, it's been my pleasure. Um, you know, just everybody needs to take their shoes off and walk around barefoot in the dirt once in a while. Um, hoop, you hoop. Know, be good to the woods, be good to each other, respect yourself, respect the woods. Uh, just, you know, just do the right thing. I want to say uh, my cabbie goodbye to you, um, Terry. Um, thank you so much. Uh, like I said, these guys, I was just, you know, glowing after after listening to you in the Tokyo airport and then forwarding these guys that podcast. I couldn't wait to get you on. I do want to go out on an expedition with you. So um, uh, thinly failed agenda here. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> no, it, it wasn't, whether I got to go with you in the woods, I wanted to talk to you whether I got to go in the woods with you or not, but I definitely yeah, no do. I'm going to go next weekend with uh, Tyler Howell again, uh, who I went with last weekend. He's got a new spot that we're going to go, uh, hike about two miles in and look, um, take some time and, to sit still and listen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I did. I did last time and I will again. Um, I am also inspired uh, by you like Nathan is. Hopefully I'm going to get to come up to Asheville and go out with in the woods with Nathan. This is something that I'm, I'm thinking about as well. So I want to go out with both of you guys in the woods. Asheville's Maybe that's not what that far is. away. Give me a yell. <laughs> oh, yes. That's what we need to do. Exactly. Now we're talking. That's, that's the approach. That's the approach. Um, and it is, you're such a gentleman. Um, and and uh, we're just so honored because of the way that that you approach this topic. I think should in, inspire uh, other big researchers, to, uh, Bigfoot researchers, to kind of take a look at it. Maybe a, a, a less invasive approach, a less of a chasing approach, and more of just a slow, gentle walk into the woods and an acknowledgement of them, and and maybe going to have more success that way. And not that everybody needs to do it the same either. I don't I don't necessarily think that think there's more than one good way to do this but uh but anyway thank you so much for the honor and for mr terry wendell for nathan for debs this is dj saying peace out one love we'll see you down the road and we're always wondering what's up around the bend